0: Hello again, and thanks for listening today. This is Stepping Into Freedom, the podcast about standing fast in the liberty wherewith we have been made free, from Alma 5840 in the Book of Mormon. Today is episode 32 with Paul Cardall. Paul is a gifted pianist and prolific composer. His music uh, covers many different styles, including classical crossover, contemporary Christian, and New Age. Uh, and in so doing, his albums have debuted on eight number one Billboard charts. Uh, He was born with a severe heart problem, actually, and had surgery um, just after he was uh, born for it. Had several more operations uh, as a teenager, and at age 35, ended up needing a heart transplant. He's also a uh, speaker, philanthropist. Has uh, excuse me, presented several uh, seminars on in the music industry, including in the music biz, uh, excuse me, music biz conference, TEDx Nashville, and at universities in Utah, Florida, and California. Today's topic is Music uh, Revisited, It's Power to Heal. Um, so thanks for joining us today, Paul. Yeah, good to be with you. So um, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, like kind of what happened with uh, the heart problem stuff? Or
1: sure. Just to begin with? Um, well, I had a heart transplant 10 years ago. Believe it or not, God says change your heart. I think I took that literally. <laughs> <laughs> and... And, you know, it's, it's a rare thing to be able to get a heart transplant in the United States. There's about 144,000 people that are waiting Whoa. for organs, and there are not enough people registered. So it was a really crazy predicament to be in because for me to live, it actually meant the heart was going to come from somebody else. And the, how do you wrap your head? around that yeah you know um so i was born with half a heart had surgery less than a day old um i the doctors didn't expect me to survive but i had a really good surgeon who was a partner of russell m nelson oh um who some of your audience might know (laughs) (laughs) and uh his partner conrad jensen Operated on me as an infant and performed this miraculous surgery. And then I survived. Yeah, but I grew up clearly not sure if I live. So you kind of have to get into the mind of a kid born with chronic illness and always hearing doctors say, Yeah, I don't know how that kid's alive. <laughs> um, not very encouraging, right? But my parents were very strong believers in savior and his ability to prolong our life. But then off, obviously if things got cut short, there was a perspective that there's an afterlife. So I knew whether I was living in this world or being sent over to the next, I wasn't going to like die. I was still going to live. I just would be somewhere else. Yeah. And uh, so that was my childhood. I mean, it was really strange But that's all I knew. Um, 13, 14, had major open heart surgeries. Again, one of President Nelson's colleagues, uh, Donald Doty, operated on me during those times. And then I went into heart failure in 2006. I was in heart failure for three years. I waited 385 days. Dale Renlin was the transplant cardiologist some people, some of your audience might know who Dale Renlin is. Uh, he was the transplant cardiologist that I sat in his office, and he said, listen, you've only got a year to live, and we got to get you a heart. And I said, how long is it going to take? He goes, well, you have a very popular blood type. It's like O positive, so it's going to take about a year. And I'm like, wait a second. It takes a year to live, and it's like I only have a year. Wait, it takes a year to get a heart, and you're telling me I only have a year to live? I'm like, I don't know about that (laughs) he goes don't worry don't worry we'll get it all taken care of well then he he had to leave because they called him to be an apostle for the church of jesus christ uh and so he was gone and i had a whole new doctor and anyways uh, i waited 385 days and living in a hospital uh for several months they came in and told me there was a heart available so that was kind of the gist of, of my experience with my chronic illness. And it's been 10 years. I've been extremely healthy. I've since then been able to do things I never thought were possible. I, I learned to scuba dive. I'm an advanced scuba diver. Um, I ski now. I hike. I run. Those are things people do their entire lives. But I, I, this was new to me at age 36 when I was first given that opportunity.
0: So it was, you know, it's been a wild ride. Yeah, it sounds like it. Wow. The same way you were talking about doctors saying, how are you alive? And how many times I've heard doctors say similar things to my wife with all of her health problems. And I'm like, yeah, yep."
1: I mean, there's obviously they give you the worst case scenario because then they look really good when when they save you. Um, But, I mean, all of us, I mean, you know from, from being in medical situations with your wife that, you know, you rely heavily on what the doctor has to say. And yet at the same time, you got to really be aware of your doctor's talents and don't always just settle for what one doctor says, make sure you're getting the best care. And, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to go shop for a car, you don't just go to one dealer and say, okay, where's my car. Yeah. You know if when it comes to your health you should really study it out and then take it to the Lord of where am I supposed to go and who am I supposed to see after you've really studied it out yeah or just say lead me <laughs> study it out
0: yeah exactly well that's kind of a cool background there so um, the first question I actually wanted to ask you today was um, kind of with uh, that role with your health problems um, with your heart um, could you talk a bit about your experience with like the role music has played personally for you in that healing process.
1: You know what's crazy with music, I'm learning this in the last couple of years, is that um, in hospitals, you hear those, you know, when you've got the heart monitor hooked up to you and the stat machines and the computers, do you realize that the notes that are being played are the tritones? When you hear that heartbeat beep, 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 those are tritones. Okay. Tritones, for your, for those who are listening that don't know what tritones are, tritone is the is the music that the classical composers used to invoke darkness and um, things that were almost satanic. And so from day one, I'm hearing tritones as an infant and I'm hearing this strange, sense of like exorcist noises um, and I'm being extreme but and a little sarcastic but that's what I heard from day one and so
0: yes, that's something know, else Miss, for, for our listeners as well um, if you're kind of the person who's very like, semantics oriented um, if you take a just play an augmented fourth on the piano and that's what Paul's talking about it's not very pleasant to the ear. so
1: no but for whatever reason those are our computer noises Those are the the computer noises. And so there's actually this movement right now of trying to change what you hear. Because for me personally, I think that's part of the reason why I went and found the piano to be kind of a tool. Uh, It's a tool for goodness and a, a weapon against darkness for me because as I play certain notes... It just is very calming to me. Everyone has their own, you know, you're going to have your own unique experience with a piece of music. You may like a song I don't know or appreciate, and then we're all different. And so, and so the thing with music is there's so much variety out there that there's going to be music that helps us uh, individually. And so it's hard for us to say, okay, well, that song, I don't know that you should listen to that song. Uh, but if it's helping somebody, it's really none of our business to say, well, you should not listen to that song. Um, but, but I, where I really gravitated to music was right after a friend of mine passed away who was perfectly healthy. I just could not believe this like perfectly healthy person who gets in this car accident passes away and here I am fighting for my life so I went to the piano because he used to play the piano and I'd sat there and I'd try to figure it out like I was trying to figure out life and each note on the piano was like a puzzle piece and I tried to put all the pieces together I noticed there were patterns and then you know I was doing this and there was a study by McGill University that basically says that if you play an instrument or you listen to certain types of music you're your brain is going to work better. You're going to be smarter. You're less likely to get dementia. It's going to boost the immune system.
0: Well, that makes total sense. Yeah, I've, I've seen studies similar to that before too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I mean, I mean, how about you? I mean, in your situation right now, I and mean, you're caring for your wife. How is music helping you guys?
0: Um. Well, it's funny that you actually mentioned that because. Um, uh, right at, at the moment. Um, like Lorraine's been kind of going in and out of level of consciousness issues and things like that with i don't know if you know much about c o two levels and blood pH and stuff like that, but um, she's been having going in and out of that several times and she's been here in the hospital since uh may yes yeah, since the middle of may now and uh um just yesterday I was like, and I actually have a, a part of this uh uh, the future question I have for you here in this uh, in our meeting here, but um, there's one, actually one of your songs that I found. Oh, what was it? I think it, it was a uh, Redeemer. It was the one you did with uh, Stephen Sharp Nelson.
1: Yeah, I used to hire.
0: And yeah, I found that on Spotify one day, and I was like, "This is like, this is paints some really like happy, calming pictures in my head," you know. So I'm like, "Okay, this is this is a keeper. This is on my you know top of my list." And, Beautiful. thanks so Thank I just yeah it's it, no, to me it's like when I write music I'm just thinking you know, what notes can I use and what words can I use to make sure I'm really expressing what I feel and the kind of just the way I see it in my head you know or the way it feels and and you know something about the way you guys arranged you know the the balance between the piano and the uh, um, the cello there was just I'm like, that, that just paints a really cool picture. It's like, how yep. can you possibly be depressed when listening to this? <laughs> right. So.
1: Yeah, that, that piece, Redeemer, uh, Marshall McDonald, is the one that actually orchestrated
0: that. We had oh, cool. some play on it. And uh, I, the thing that's cool
1: that you mentioned that is because, you know, the, it's such kind of a dark song and yet there's all these elements of hope and, and I just kind of tried to imagine the Savior in the garden where such a dilemma and yet such a joy that he would do that for us. Mm -hmm. So it's the bitterness of the olive and then the sweetness of the olive after it's been crushed. Um, The the oil is so sweet. And so um, in that particular piece of music, you have this whole idea of how life is bitter, and yet it's also extremely sweet.
0: Mm -hmm. It's funny, I was just talking to a friend, um, what was it, uh, this morning or last night I think it was who uh, I, I had said to them you know I, I, I had written this uh, blog article for LDS blogs called The Wound is the Place Where the Light Enters You and I had taken the quote from have you seen um, A Wrinkle in Time? I, I have, yeah. Yeah, I took a quote from that movie and I'm like you know there's a gospel parallel to that because when you I, I like that especially that you use the analogy of you know the oil is sweet after the olive is crushed, right? And I was thinking like that kind of makes a connection there with um, uh, like I guessing with the paint the picture you're trying to paint with Redeemer I'm, I'm assuming um, because like all, the Lord can only heal our wounds physical or emotional when we expose them to him it's almost like a little kid who goes out and plays in the street right and he you know he calls and scrapes his knee and he maybe he's embarrassed because oh I wasn't being safe and mom's gonna yell at me if she finds out what I was doing and how I got it and so he hides it and it gets infected and I picture us you know doing the same thing with Heavenly father and finally when we have you know the the faith in him to say oh uh, God I'm hurting and you know, it's not always our fault as especially with the case with your injuries and your heart stuff but you know it's when we expose that to him that he can say well, I'm glad you came to me now. I can take everything that's wrong with it. And now that you're showing it to me, you know, put it out in the open. um, That makes him, gives him more of an opportunity to heal us when we let him, you know? And that's kind of... Yeah, I I think think
1: you're on with something right there because no, we don't want our children to fall and hurt themselves. But we do love it when we see them correct a mistake. And I don't think we see our kids as sinners. We see them as making mistakes, which is partly why the church, uh, you know, the church that we're members of, the Church of Jesus Christ, that's why they've shifted from saying you sin to, well, you made a mistake, which is a lot more proactive in knowing that you can. Get the help you need to
0: overcome well, that. And the other thing, too, is that, you know, all, all sins are mistakes, but not all mistakes are sins, right? So, yeah. I mean, there's a point where, you know, even Jesus says, you know, what to the, I was just mentioning to somebody else today, actually, in conversation. He says to the woman who's taken in adultery in the New Testament, he says, you know, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more, right? He's loving, but he's saying, you know, don't do this, you know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, he's basically right, right, right. Yeah. I think it's then. Then it says she left, and and uh, yeah. So, anyways, yeah. yeah. I mean that that whole scenario, but I, you know, pain, pain is just part of the life experience. It basically is a reminder that you are alive.
0: Yeah. Well, and then, you like know? you say, the the different you know melody constructs we have with music. Um, I was just taking a look at uh, John Schmidt's um, oh, "August yeah, August End" today, one of his older songs, and I'm like, man, this has got some really good melodic ideas. It's just like kind of paints a happy, playful picture in your head, you know? So, yeah, awesome.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I was listening to John Schmidt when I was 17. He was just out of he was going to college, dating his wife. I was at the concert when he proposed to his wife. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I asked this girl out on a date because she knew him. And, uh, and yeah, so, so it was a great experience. And there's just so much talent to come out of our culture. There are so many people who are really blessed and really lighting the world. And, you know, you take a look at the billboard classical chart in the united states and these are the you know uh, if you have a chart if you have an album on the charts in the billboard it basically means that you're selling really well and then that tells the music historians that this is a very important piece of music if you look at the billboard classical charts five of the ten artists on the charts all have ties to utah because of the faith um, you know, Lindsey Sterling, piano guys, uh, Tabernacle Choir.
0: Yeah. Uh, speaking speaking um, of Lindsey Sterling. Yeah. Lindsey, if you're listening to this, I need you on this podcast as well because you do a lot of good for people. So.
1: <laughs> for all we know, she's prepping for the next video. So yeah,
0: she, probably. know yeah, they're all busy. In so the billions, the YouTube billions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know,
1: and now she's created her own comic book.
0: Like I didn't know really that. Cool. Wow.
1: Yeah, she's got her own little comic book character, so it's...
0: Uh, well, with all the people who have, like, Lindsey Sterling art out there, it doesn't surprise me, I guess.
1: She's a smart cookie on her own. Yeah, I
0: believe it. Yeah, she's really good. Cool. So, um, next question, I guess, for you. Um, what, um, what freeing effects have you seen, you know, talking about you know, freedom through musical healing, I guess, what, what freeing effects have you seen or felt um, as a result of divine intervention... Um, during the composition recording process.
1: Well, for me, for me, like with my music, creating my music, uh, um, it's 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 part of what I do. It's kind of like riding a bicycle. It's just something I do. And like this new album that I've got called Peaceful Piano, I wanted to take listeners back to the heart of when I started, because I started by playing in the lobby of the Joseph Smith building, just the piano. And that led to getting a job in the restaurant and then selling cassettes and getting tips. And, um, but taking people back to that. And so we went to a conservatory in Oberlin, Ohio, and I had a great engineer at uh, at two Steinways all tuned up, ready to go, which was amazing. And I basically had... I was going to sit down and improvise what I was feeling, reflecting on the last 10 years since getting the transplant,
0: and I didn't have anything
1: prepared. I was just going to play some ideas, improvisations on themes I've created in the past, and then try to create stuff that was brand new. I don't know what it was, man, but I would just take a breath, and I would think about you know, being in the hospital all the people that were so good to us people that would come and visit us meeting other kids and parents and i just started to play after a day and a half we ended up with 42 brand new original compositions and then we had to narrow it down to 18 but the reason i tell you all that to answer your question is my music for me is like journaling I know how to create what I felt at that time. And Hans Christian Andersen said, where words fail, music speaks. And isn't it true, Paul, that throughout the scriptures we hear prophets say, I could not come up with the words to describe or explain what I witnessed, what I experienced, what I saw. And so as a musician, I'm able to communicate what I feel as, I guess, as much as I possibly can through music. And that's the beauty of what music is. It opens this conduit to heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's uh, the other thing I've learned since moving to Nashville, Utah, is how much I love, respect, and enjoy worship music with my Christian friends. It's very freeing to go to a, a concert, and have everybody there in the arena, even though everyone's from a different denomination, everyone there is a believer, and to be in there and have music played about what Christ has done for us, and to celebrate with joyful music, and people with their, you know, it's very freeing to put your hands up in the air, I um, I remember having some Mormon friends concerned about putting your hands up in the air. I had to remind him that's something we, we do as well in the temple. We just don't do it to rock and roll. Yeah. And, yeah exactly. uh, so I was like, you know, once you go and you recognize this isn't about which church is true right now, this is about celebrating who Jesus Christ is and what he's done. It's very liberating and very healing with our brothers and sisters of other denominations who share the same faith in Christ and and worship together you know there's just so much good in in not just only focusing on you know what we do in our sacrament services and kind of to back up what I'm saying President Nelson at the NAACP spoke about how, one of the presidents of the NAACP came to the Temple Square and listened to the Tabernacle Choir perform. And President Nelson said, well, what do you think? And he said, well, I was waiting for the spirit to
0: really take over the choir. <laughs> kind of ironic, if you will.
1: And here you have this Caucasian uh, American man saying, well, I guess we're going to have to come to one of your services and hear what you're talking about. And President Nelson said he went with his wife to one of the services in the black community, he said, "And I'll tell you what, I felt the spirit, but I do have to say that I like the Tabernacle Choir a little bit more. But we can agree to disagree."
0: <laughs> <laughs> still
1: participated. I still had a good time. So, and that's the joy of it is uh, getting out of our comfort zone and experiencing music with the fellow believers. Maybe not believers of the same doctrine, but definitely
0: yeah. of the same being who reveals the truth. Yeah, i actually remember you know, reading about that. Um, and then in the kind report of everything he had said there, just you know, I, I've always been impressed with you know his ability to just make connections, you know good connections with good people, and and even sympathize with you know those who may not come off so well because of. Whatever difficulty they're going through, and and like I, I remember, uh, at uh, for example, the last presidential election in the states um, with uh, the piano guys there, you know, the, the the phrase they repeated over and over again in their music was, "Hey, everything's gonna be okay. It's all right." You know, right. And, you know, interesting thing to have you know shouted at a presidential, like a political event, right? But <laughs> right. It just it's like you know what you know. That's what music does, you know, you, you, throughout the writing or the recording or, or even if you're just listening to it, it has that effect on people. I mean, like for me, I was just going to mention this too, kind of going to go along with the question itself. Um, like finger effects for me have kind of been, like whenever I'm trying to write something, it, it's, the idea always comes, like it sounds like it's similar for you. It just comes straight from the heart, like what do I want to express? How do I feel about XYZ subject matter, Right. And it, it's like, that's what I want to do with the music. And so, like, you know, you're trying to express my deepest emotions to what I write. And then the Lord, sometimes, like, I'm praying for help and guidance. Okay, how do I express this the right way so that it's accurate? And it helps other people and not just me because, you know, this is, reflects what I'm going through. I'm right. asking for the words to, you know, how do I express this better than I could on my own? And then when that comes, when that guidance comes and the, the revelation comes, you know, from Heavenly Father, this is what you should say. This word fits here this melody or whatever, right? And then I realized at that point, oh, wait a minute. It's kind of almost revealing to myself. It kind of tells me this is where my heart really is. This is what direction I need to go. And it's kind of like a, almost a, a self-introspection thing, almost as, as I'm writing sometimes, you know? <laughs> right. So, Well,
1: and all that introspection is pretty much just opening the heavens to get whatever we need to know where we need to go. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we all have these unique experiences. It'll be interesting to see what the church does about the new hymn book to accommodate all the different cultures because right now it's very 19th century white. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and that's only because if you put, like, if this was, if you're Emma Smith and you're gonna put, yeah, you know, a hymn book together to try to help people yeah. love the Lord sheep selected the hits of the day Basically, so those yeah. were the hits these were the songs being sung in the pubs and then they'd had new lyrics that had to do with the savior so a lot of them were beer songs um, <laughs> from the pubs and like come come ye saints was an irish uh, pub song but they changed it from being about the liquor to in about let's all suffer together and go to Zion. So, so, you know, that's the, that's the irony in it all. So it'll be interesting to see how they're able to accommodate a global church where everybody has different uh, tastes because if, if, if Emma Smith was alive today and given that commission, we would definitely hear a lot of evangelical songs, <laughs> a lot of Chris Tomlin and Mercy Me in our hymn book. I mean, we'd be singing—I can only imagine—because um, those are the hits today. So, so that kind of gives us perspective of where yeah. we're at. Well,
0: and the other and thing I—I wanted to do as well was kind of close a bunch of doctrinal gaps, because there's a lot of topics that, like you said, because it was 19th century content for a lot of it. Um, There's a lot has been revealed since then in our church. A lot of changes have happened. And so when I heard about that news at first, I'm like, oh, this is going to be so wonderful. And I hear some people saying, we can finally get rid of that one hymn I don't like anymore. (laughs) Or add this one we should have or whatever, right? Right. Well, I think probably
1: what's going to happen, and I'm just speculating, so don't quote me. Um, But I think what's going to happen is there's going to be a lot more hymns that are focused on the Savior because the church has become more focused on the Savior. In the beginning of the church, it was more about Heavenly Father and just the laying the the basic foundation, but it's become more evident that everything needs to be about Christ because that is Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. ultimate reason why people join a church is to make a commitment to Him, to follow Him. And so music plays such a central role. I mean, it was music that that he asked everybody to sing a hymn. They were singing hymns at that Last Supper. Yeah. You know, I well, don't know what I, the pop, popular song of the day was, but why is that not in our
0: hymn book? <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, like, when you mentioned like, everything being so Christ-centered, I I almost hope they take some, you know, something from the message of uh, that that talk. President Nelson gave. Um, Kind of talking about how, you know, there is no amorphous entity called the atonement that heals us. I mean, it's through it, yes, but it's Christ is the healer. He is the focus, and like President Nelson has just been so adamant about focus on the person. You know, everything that flows good is from Him, and so I almost yeah. think they have some kind of song in there that that teaches that core principle that he said. You know, I, I in some of my blogs, I've you know actually changed some of my old writings to, you know, wait, 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 the atonement doesn't heal us. We get healing through it, but it's his that we get healing through Christ, because because he performed it. And I, like, I kind of shifting the the mentality, right, so I'm like, I hope they have a hymn with some message like that in there, just to kind of, you know, pick it up a notch. Yeah, well, literally pick it up a notch, because...
1: It's crazy because we got a conference and that organ is loud and powerful yes. and, and majestic. And yet for some reason we're afraid to play the correct tempo <laughs> in church. And I don't know if it's because we're really tired or really old or what, but, but, but it's okay to really... Make that organ explode. We need that. We need that organ to sound like a subwoofer. You know, (laughs) we need to wake everybody up and let's let's play the greatest hits at church so we're not bored out of our minds. Let's let's. There is sunshine in my shoulder today. You know, put your shoulder to the wheel. Let's get these epic, energetic songs to wake everyone up to celebrate and worship the fact that you are created in His image, that you're amazing, and that He loves us instead of making everything sound like another funeral and I'm guilty of that my music is very <laughs> melancholy very and, and I tell people if, I don't, if you don't fall asleep by the fifth song of my album I failed my job <laughs> is to help you unwind and, and rest so if you do that good
0: yeah. I, I succeeded now when you say that too about the whole you know, rejoicing thing the first thing that pops in my head with, when you talk about tempo now let us rejoice in the day of salvation yeah
1: yes. yeah he is risen. Come on, bang the drum. <laughs> he did it. He pulled it off. Yeah, yeah. He conquered the grave.
0: Yeah. Um, Have you heard that? Song. Oh, what's that? There's that song? Um, oh, I was showing it to the elders in a uh, car ride we were on to teach an investigator recently. It was, um, oh, it's from a, I don't know if it's from a play or something. It's like, it's called Alive, Parentheses Mary Magdalene. I forget who it's by. Um... Kind of like halfway through the song, it starts to sound a little bit Pentecostal, rock songish, but man, it's that, that, it's that mode. It's like, he's alive, let's shout for joy, you know? And so.
1: Well, it's like the song, We'll Sing All Hail to Jesus' Name. When a non member of Mormonism attends a Mormon org, uh, meeting and we're singing, We'll Sing All Hail to Jesus' Name, some people might think we're singing All Hail. To Jesus <laughs> you know wow. or like, like like come come you saints no toilet paper here there's like you hear lyrics and it sounds like something completely different <laughs> you know like uh put your shoulder to the wheel push along do your duty with a heart full of song we all have work let no one shirt put your shoulder to the wheel you know whereas somebody says We all have work, so don't be a jerk, put your shoulder to the wheel. (laughs) Or, put your shoulder to the wheel, push along. If the wheel goes in reverse, you won't live long. (laughs) We all have shirts, but no one works. Put your shoulder to the wheel. So, you know, it's like when you're a kid and you're singing, Follow the Prophet, and some kid stands up and goes, Swallow the chocolate, swallow the chocolate, you know? So, (laughs) we just, we're going to clear that all up.
0: Yeah, yeah. What Was that uh, I heard some? Or no, I was this uh, that meme on Facebook with the kid running away from the dinosaur, and like the elder Holland says, this is what sometimes we think of life as running away from a dinosaur. Like, oh, we're scared of everything, and, and it makes me think of that thing where the, the mistaken lyrics to the Thirteenth Article of Faith. Um, which, by the way, for our listeners, go listen to the episode with uh, Julie Lee to learn about that one. Um, yeah. So it's funny at the end of that one. The, oh, sorry, the beginning of it. Excuse me. Where it, the, the joke is sometimes instead of we believe in being honest, true, chaste, benevolent, virtuous, it's the kids we believe in being honest, true, chased by an elephant. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's like that's like the primary kid that said, "Hey, I want to hear the zombie song." What's the zombie song? Can you play a zombie song? You mean G- What's the, how does
0: it go? Jesus wants me for a zombie. Wow. Like,
1: no, and now, and now your audience knows why I don't sing, <laughs> why I just play piano.
0: Because <laughs> like, you, you'll mess like, all, you you all the lyrics, cannot, Up, When
1: God says it's time for a star to die, he has me go stand on it and sing.
0: All right, then, wow. <laughs> it explodes. Like, let's not let Paul Cardall sing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I take that back. When, I, when, I, when Elder Bednar asked me to write one by one with him, He goes, now listen, I'm not a songwriter, and if God had me stand in line, according to talent, I'd be at the very back of the line uh, trying to sing and write music. I said, well, what what about Devil? What about the Devil? He goes, oh, he's not invited. So
0: (laughs) it was funny. Cool. Awesome. Well, um, I mean, the funny thing is you're kind of getting on this comic thing too, I mean, there's a lot of good – um, music out there too that can be used that maybe not be religious at all that uh, can be used as a, a funny thing. Like, have you ever heard um, that YouTube video with the Momthum instead of the Anthem? It's the Momthum. The Momthum? No, like and like M O M, like like mothers. You know, the Momthum. Oh yeah, yeah. That lady, she just goes off and everything a mother would say in 24 hours. It's comedic value, but it lightens the heart and it, it you know it's it's funny and the music can be used for that too, right? So.
1: Any, any, Anything should be funny to us when we're writing songs about little purple pansies.
0: Oh, did you, are, you, are, you, are you referring to that John By The Way joke?
1: <laughs> oh, no, I haven't heard John By The Way in years. He, 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 he was, was an EFY guy when I was a counselor 20 years ago. Yeah,
0: he made this uh, joke about... Uh, for, he's like, for years, you know, the, the, the song... Um, in a little garden, the flowers are nodding. Right? He says, for years, he's like, for years, I thought they were saying, in the little garden, the flowers are naughty. And he's like, Right? naughty? What? Flowers aren't naughty. Flowers are our friends. And he goes, maybe there's a mainstream in those little purple pansies.
1: <laughs> right. Well, that's yeah. the thing is with lyrics, um, you want things to roll off the tip of your tongues when you're writing a catchy song. But if it doesn't sound, if it's not clear enough, then you have to be careful. Because especially like you know we take ourselves very serious in church. Everything has to be very reverent, um, and so when you have a song and the kids have that temptation to say instead of follow the prophet, swallow the chocolate, you know, it's or like when we're kids and it's um, you know we have all these songs to get our wiggles out.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so, but then at the same time, you got these extraordinary, absolutely gorgeous pieces of music, and I remember. A long time ago, when I decided to do the very first hymns, volume one, I thought, for members that are familiar with these songs, for people that are familiar with these songs, what melody can I play that's going to strike the most emotion Yeah, in relation to church? And I thought the songs that deal with the communion with the sacrament because yeah. that's where people are really paying attention so that's why those melodies on that first hymns volume strike you know the minute you hear the melody oh god the eternal father I start folding my arms anyways mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but even while I play I'm like oh wait I gotta play but I'm folding my arms to be reverent
0: yeah. so sorry one second okay awesome yeah there's so much good music can do for us so the last question I just wanted to ask you for today um what emotional wounds, I mean, can you come up with any specific examples of what emotional wounds you have seen bound up and healed as a result of music, yours or, or anyone else's?
1: Um, what wounds have been bound
0: up because of music? Uh, emotional wounds, you know, because, I mean, we talk about, you know, your, your, the physical process of, you know, your heart problems, and, I mean, I'm pretty sure some of my listeners have, are sick of me mentioning my wife's health problems, so, you know, physical stuff, I'm thinking, you know, let's, let's go emotional. Like, what... Wounds have you seen bound up socially, emotionally, as a result of music, yours or anyone else's?
1: I think part of what I was saying earlier about when we come to a point as believers to know we have the freedom to worship the Lord, not just in our meeting houses, but with other people that are not necessarily the same believers in the same doctrine, but the same believers in Christ. And what was very liberating and freeing for me, and very healing for me, I mean, I will cry at these worship concerts um, for some of these artists that, that you know that I'm familiar with, like Chris Tomlin, or you know, um, there's a rapper Lecrae who deeply affects me, and you know, if people go, oh, oh, there's a rapper that affects a piano player that's doing all this LDS stuff. Yeah, I mean, Lecrae used to be. Um, in, a, in a gang in Atlanta and he went, was invited to a church camp and at the church camp he discovered that the best sponsor for his addictions is Jesus Christ and by being sponsored by him he knew that he could get clean and make his life good and he started rapping about it so he takes you on this journey at his show and I'm like this is so nice and liberating to hear somebody talk about the Lord in a very similar way to things I believe. And though this is not in the traditional setting of what I grew up in, it's not. And so it expanded me as a believer to be with my brothers and sisters and see them as fellow believers. And in a way I want to be like them. I have the holy envy for what what they do. Um, the other thing is uh, people always say Music heals you. And I have to correct people because music does not do that. The only thing that heals us is the Savior. And um, so music is a tool. It creates an atmosphere so that we can get in tune with, with the heavens. And a lot of times it happens without us even trying to do that. Music will provoke something in us that makes us emotional. I think it was Bruce R. McConkie that said singing the hymns helps to sanctify your
0: body. Well, the other thing I think of too with uh, the whole effect of the hymns is that, oh, who was it that said, um, I want to say J.E. Jensen, I might have the name wrong, but who said that we get nearer to God through music than perhaps any other thing except prayer. Elder Perry said that. Yeah, okay, thank you for the correction, yeah. So I'm just like, you know, how many, like, this is kind of a weakness of mine. In fact, I have an episode coming up, I think it's towards the end of next month, um, about prayer. And with a second, the guy who I had agreed to that said, um, I mentioned the kind of the ideas he had, and I'm like, well, how about we kind of take that thought process along the angle of prayer? And he goes, that sounds like a great idea. And so I'm thinking, you know what? For years, um, kind of more of one of my minor weaknesses, but I have always struggled throughout my life with like, you know, making my prayers effective. I mean, I, I always have faith that He hears them and that He answers, that God answers them. And that's that's never been a question. It's a matter of how do I know if I'm actually praying effectively? If you know, if I'm going about this the right way to really get the most out of it, you know, how do I discern answers to my prayers? Because I'm not always good at that either. And so it's kind of affected my faith and like in myself and my ability to kind of make prayer a useful thing in my life, as useful as I want it to be, you know, despite the fact that, you know, it's like the faith is in my head, but it's like not quite up to where I want to be. And so music is like, for me, has been a form of prayer that's like, you know, this I get, this I can feel and communicate through and understand well. And, you know, for me, that's kind of been the healing effect. And on on my mission too, I remember um, when I was serving in London, I'm here in Ontario, actually. <laughs> just so you know, I served my mission here. And uh, I remember waking up one day, um, just, I was in a huge depression. I just felt this darkness one day. I woke up and I didn't know what it was. I'm like, is this how Joseph Smith felt when he describes when he was praying out light for the first time and he felt that dark force just seize upon him and it was like scary? I'm like, oh, like, I felt like just paralyzed with fear. I'm like, oh, is this what that was like, you know? And one of the things that kind of helped snap me out of it a little bit enough to carry on at least some days was uh John Schmidt's oh which song was it? Going home, I believe. His song Going Home. Like Wow yeah. yeah. And I just like I actually wrote to him later on, I'm like, hey, just wanna let you know, John, thanks for writing this song, thanks for putting it out there. Um it helped me get through some really hard, depressive uh times on the mission and doubting everything I'd ever been taught and just it kind of gave peace to my mind, even if it wasn't in words. And, you know, it, it, it worked for me then, you know? So...
1: Yeah, that's, that's absolutely beautiful. And I think... Uh, I think we each have those powerful experiences of where... And I think each of us at one point in our life has that moment where we experience the impending doom. The moment... I remember being in a hospital in Idaho... The doctors had no idea what was wrong with me, and I was passed out. I was on tour with a friend of mine. They thought the worst thing, scenario, was going on. All I had was a bad heart they didn't understand, and I had an infection. Um, But that night, they gave me a pill that made me psychotic. And I was looking at the window and had all these emotions of rage and suicide, And then I had this overwhelming feeling of impending doom. It was as though there was no God, no atonement, and that there was nothing after this life, and it meant nothing. And I knew that was an encounter uh, with a bad drug, but it was an encounter with the devil, um, you would say, and very similar to what your experience may have been, what Joseph Smith may have experienced, what a lot of people experience at some point at, but, but the way I got out of that was I put on, um, some music and I just sat listening and singing the lyrics. And the the music at the time was, uh, it was twenty one twelve by rush. And it's a band that I've loved for a long time. Um, Cool. They are a great Canadian trio, and as I would listen to the music, all those other emotions went away. The drug wore off, and I had returned back to a moment of peace. Um, and I was able to get out of that hospital and down to Salt Lake into the hospital where the doctors knew me and my
0: situation. Wow, that is yeah. It's just you know, it's. I'm thinking the word limitless and the music's and the, it was I just say Christ's ability to help us through through other people's music and to, as you we were talking about there, and uh, I'm reminded of, um, I didn't even just just popped into my head just now. I don't remember why I read this either. Some kind of obscure page where some kind of science nerd tried to do the math behind this. And uh, the the question they had asked about music was how many possible melodies are there, like. Know, kind of, yeah, exactly, right? It's endless. it's endless. Yeah, so the funny thing, he actually did the math from a technical perspective. You know, 12 notes, yeah. all the different note durations, different combinations, permutations of that, right? Kind of from a an algebraic yeah. formula almost. Yeah. And I don't remember all the, the specifics behind it, but I remember the end number, um, whatever it was, was uh, he's like, now, do you know how big that number is? It was like, massive, like the different amount, of, like he, he kind of went through, you know, this is if you use just quarter notes, this is if you use just eighth notes, and this is if you like, you, know, if you use this many quarters and then this many eighth notes, and then you change the, uh, like the chord, or, or just all these different variations he comes up with, right? In the very end, he says, the number, you know, if you calculate it out technically, um, that number of different possible melodies of different lengths, different times, different dynamics, is more than the number of atoms in the known universe. More at, more, more, than the number yeah. of atoms in the known universe. And I'm like, well, that actually makes a lot of sense.
1: I'm amazed at how much time he has to figure that out. <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, he must is, be sitting somewhere at his office telling his boss, <laughs> you know what? I'll show him. I'm going to figure out how many songs you can make out of 13 <laughs> notes.
0: So uh, it's, I, I thought of that and I'm thinking, if you know, it, 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 think about it, it kind of reflects God's ability to use music. There, there are literally limitless ways. I mean, that, the number of atoms in the known universe probably feels limitless to us if you, if you were to try and comprehend that. Right. And right. so to me, it's the kind of parallel there is there really are no, no end of ways that music can free people through its healing effects. And to kind of kind of dovetail off that into the, the whole point of the, the the episode today is I'm thinking, you know, there's so much suffering and heal and, and, and sickness and need for healing today. People want to be free from their trials and free from their pains. And while maybe God doesn't say to everybody, oh here you go, right away, or even sometimes even in this life at all. Right. Um, there is a point where he can say, I can provide enough healing to free you from the effects of this difficulty, you know? Almost like in the Book of Mormon, where um, the people of Alma are praying to be released from bondage, and the Lord doesn't deliver them, but he does say, "'I will make these burdens light upon your backs.'" And the freeing effect on them was, whatever he did to empower them, they were then able to bear their burdens cheerfully, and it wasn't considered a hard thing anymore. It was the same thing, but they were able to do it better. Um, and that different form of healing, you know, same thing happens through music and it frees people from, maybe not from the trial itself, but from the effects of it and it kind of makes you be able to have joy no matter what happens to you. So,
1: Well, I think it's as simple as you don't play, you don't sit down and play Moonlight Sonata. You have to practice yeah. and figure it out. So you're not going to be free from your addictions uh, you know once those addictions are a huge part of your life, it's gonna take an effort and time um, you don't God just doesn't give you the ability to play a song yeah, you have yeah. to work at it yeah that's the, that's the principle for everything in this life is if you want something um, he's empowered you because you are his child to do something yeah um. I can't jump off the diving board for my daughter. She has to learn to do that the very first time. She's yeah. got to ride the bike. Yeah. I can tell her how. I can show her that, like anybody that's got addiction or, you know, the one sin that is bothering them the most, um, there is a way out of that. But it takes some work. It's like changing your diet. It's like going to the gym. You have to get into a habit.
0: Of not doing a habit. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, the, 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 I was telling a friend of mine uh, um, just recently that, yeah, uh, you know, what's that? There was a quote I was trying to remember from, oh, one of those names with first, first, middle, and last initial, or W. Oh, <laughs> I
1: don't
0: remember. It's one of the William, the, William W. Phelps. No, 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 no sure. it was one of the seventies today in our in our in our church. I, <laughs> I want to say Willard. Like Woodson or something. That's probably way off. Um, Maybe I'll.
1: Won't you say that the the third quorum to the fifth century? I don't know. (laughs) One of the quorums.
0: Anyways, sorry. I'm just kind of I I digress here. But anyways, the quote I used from this uh, seventy was, he said, something like, "You don't drive out darkness by scolding it. You have to displace it with light. Not just, not just get away from it, but you have to actually displace or replace it." In the act of driving it out with light, you know. Um, yeah. I, think I, actually, yes, I, actually, right. I took that quote, and uh, I, it's funny. I, I was watching the uh, the third Harry Potter movie when Harry's casting the Patronus charm and driving away the Dementors, and the kind right. of the imagery of that white dome pushing them away. I'm like, that's an, a good representation of it. So I kind of photoshopped it onto the picture. I'm like, there you go. <laughs> that's
1: amazing. So, yeah, I like that a lot.
0: Anyways, I, gotta wrap. I think we better wrap up here, but man, it's been a pleasure okay. to have you on today. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, likewise. Uh, thank you, everybody,
0: for listening. Thank you, Paul, for having me. Likewise,
1: Paul. <laughs> right, uh, great name. All right, yeah. man, well, have a good one. Let me know when this airs,
0: and we'll yeah. let people know about it. And thanks for listening today. In the next episode, we have Michael Young talking about supporting those with mental illness. Michael is a tenor in the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square, he lives in, uh, I hope I pronounced this right, Tuella, please don't slaughter me if I got that wrong, (laughs) Utah, Tuella, Utah, I think is how you pronounce that, Um, teaches uh, second grade German language immersion, uh, and is the father of two boys and loves to write music and books. Uh, If you have any questions about this episode, or if you or someone you know would like to participate, please don't hesitate to shoot me an email. Um, if you want a certain topic discussed even at uh, thepulsifier at gmail.com with the subject line stepping into freedom request I'll get back to you that's in the description if you like what you heard today or found something particularly useful please go and smash that follow link give it a click on paulpulsifier.podomatic.com and subscribe on any of the platforms you prefer listed on the home page and send your family and friends to do the same um, also um, it really helps to spread this, you know, any goodness you may have found here to other people by leaving written reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. It does go a long way. Um helping other people find this kind of stuff, so um, please go and do that if you feel so inclined, or even if you're just willing to, that'd be great. Have a great day, everyone, and remember to stand steadfastly in the freedom God gave us. Until next time, this is Paul Pulsifer.